0: The direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally, not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin.
1: You know, even with the teacher pay issues, the lottery fund issues, we in the county still end up having to fund core teachers. Yes. Uh, you know, that's, I mean, is there anything to do about that?
2: Well, let, yes, and that, that's a very good point. And I, I'll go ahead and make a, 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 a campaign promise. I, I hate campaign promises because people most of the time don't, don't keep them. I'll make you a campaign commitment. When I get to Raleigh, I've already talked to Senator Davis about this. I've already talked to the Speaker of the House about it. I'm going to introduce a bill because, well, let me me back up a little bit. Rural counties, especially mountain rural counties, the the state allocates money to pay teachers by grade. For example, for every kindergarten teacher, uh, for every 20 students, they, they pay for a kindergarten teacher. For every 24 students, they pay for a fourth-grade teacher and that, and that kind of thing. There's a formula. Well, in, in Macon, Clay, Cherokee, and Graham counties, we live in the mountains. Kids don't come in lots of 24. It doesn't work that way. You have school. For example, we've got Nantahadl School and Highland School in Macon County that are very rural schools. They're K-12 schools. We don't get enough money to pay all the teachers. You still have to have a fourth-grade teacher. You still have to have a fifth-grade teacher. There may only be 10 kids in that class, but you still have to have that teacher there. So what that means is we have locally paid teachers. We pay for them out of local funds. You do too. Cherokee County does too. So it's Clay, so is Graham. So I'm going to introduce a bill that gives additional funding to rural schools for that very purpose. Uh, Senator Davis has agreed with me, and he's going to introduce uh, a companion bill in the Senate. And we're going to push together. And it'll also serve, uh, it'll help some uh, school systems down the eastern part of the state, too. We have a lot in common with folks down the east of uh, Interstate 95. They have some of the same issues that we do as far as funding.
1: You know, when it comes to the philosophy of education, how do you feel about Common Core?
2: Not. It was a good idea it sounded good uh, you know I say from time to time there's there's things that you that you discuss sitting around a campfire and and it, it sounds like a good idea and they came up with this idea of common core for those that, that are listening may not know common core is a cookie cutter type thing that uh, uh, the federal government came up with that says all kids basically should be taught these things and should be tested on these things you should have these same skills at this level that sounds good okay And 46 governors agreed with that uh, back several years ago when Common Core was introduced. Uh, The fact is it doesn't work. And the the truth is, and you mentioned uh, states and local control, the best form of government is local government, period. Cherokee County ought to decide when they start their schools. The school calendar, Cherokee County ought to decide that, Not, not the state. Cherokee County ought to decide how their kids are educated. Same thing with education. I don't think that ought to be county by county, but I think every state has to decide what works for you. So, no, I'm not a believer in Common Core. I think North Carolina needs to set its own path. Um, I think we've uh, we've lost some ground uh, with that, but uh, I think I think we can we can do our own thing and do better. Absolutely,
1: there's no question, Kevin. That that local government really is best. I mean, let's face it. We citizens of Cherokee County understand what we need an awful lot better, especially when it comes to education. We know what our, we know what it, we want our children to actually learn. Uh, I don't think the people in Raleigh necessarily are in lockstep with us.
2: No, and, that, and that's why as a, as a local government person coming from the best background, I told uh, some folks in Raleigh, if I'm elected, I will be a displaced county commissioner. That's what I will be. I will be a county commissioner who just happens to serve in the legislature. I'm going to believe in local government because I believe it's the most efficient. Let me give you a perfect example. I mentioned briefly the school calendar. It used to be where every school system said, "Okay, yeah, we're going to start school August 5th." Now, you, Cherokee County may say we're going to start school August the 10th. Clay County may say it works better for us to start August 20th. State said, "No, here's when you got to start school. Got to be between these dates and these dates." Do and they they made everybody. Um, Again, the cookie-cutter approach, one size fits all. One size doesn't fit all. And so every county ought to decide when they start school. You, you decide. Let your local school board decide. If folks aren't happy with that, you got local control. You vote your school board out, and you put some folks in to do what you want. So, But you can't vote the folks out in, in, that sit in the, in the, uh, the Pink Palace down in, uh, in Raleigh, in the Department of Education. They don't need to decide what happens in, in the counties, period.
1: I'm talking with Kevin Corbin, a candidate for North Carolina House in District 120. Let's shift gears a little. We've spent a lot of time talking about education, which, of course, is extremely important. Um, Let's go to the Second Amendment. I know certainly out here Second Amendment is critical, important, uh, and most of us here are believers. You know that uh, Cherokee County, of course, has the highest per capita uh, concealed carry permit in the state of North Carolina. So these are, these are items that are very, very important to us. What's your feeling about the Second Amendment, and uh, how will that impact what you do in Raleigh?
2: Well, let me give you some background. I'm a card-carrying uh, member of the NRA. Um, I've been endorsed by the National Rifle Association. Uh, I have my concealed carry permit. I just renewed it for another five years, just got my new permit. Um, you know, feel strongly in, in that. Uh, you know, I don't ever, let me be clear, I never want, I'm not for violence. I'm the most nonviolent person that, that you know. I don't want anybody to get shot. I don't want anybody to get hurt. Uh, that, that's the wrong kind of world to live in. But, but I should be able to carry a weapon in case someone is intending harm to me or my family. Um, and that's a proven fact. If, if, uh, if everybody's got a concealed carry. And the crooks know that. Hey, they're they're less likely to uh, to uh, to move. And I just believe in that. I believe in our uh, uh, our right to bear arms. It's guaranteed by our Second Amendment. I know some people don't believe in that, and we'll just dis- we'll just agree to disagree. Uh, I don't think that's talking about militia. I don't think that's talking about. I think that's talking about me, able to have a gun, about Doctor Dan, being able to have a gun and have a concealed carry. I believe that's our, our, uh, I believe that's guaranteed by our Constitution.
1: Well, uh, Kevin, it is guaranteed by the Constitution. It's really not very ambiguous at all. It says it in the Constitution that the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, and there's a period at the end of "shall not be infringed" because there's no uh, modifying clauses at the end of that. But it shall that not be infringed. Period.
2: We we have some of our our folks that don't believe that's what that means, and you know that too. Uh, they think that's referring to uh, to the the government bearing arms or, or the ability to have militias and those kind of things. But it, it doesn't say that. If it meant say that, they would have changed it. It says to bear arms, and that's what it means, and that's what I believe, and that's what I'll defend.
1: Absolutely. And, and that goes for gun-free zones, which, again, are uh, really nothing more than criminal enablement zones because
2: it, – it, that's, that's silly. Uh, you know, let me, let me address that. We're, we're talking about that in Macon County now. We actually brought it up at a couple of meetings ago. Years ago, um, I think, meaning well, uh, the county commissioners uh, passed the local ordinance that, you know, no farm on county properties and this kind of thing. And, and I, I don't want to speak for my board, but I think we're getting ready to change that. Um, here, here's my personal belief. Let me just lay it out. As far as a concealed carry, I've been through the concealed carry process. I have my concealed carry. I think it ought to be a little tougher to get it. It's a it, it, The course is not real hard. I think it ought to be a – I'm not saying – harder to get it. I'm saying a little more uh, vigorous, a little more training, a little more uh, training about uh, proper use of guns and those kind of things. Let's take it a little further, make sure folks have a real good understanding. But once they get that concealed carry, you can carry it anywhere.
1: That's for sure. And, uh, you know, really, when you look at some of the recent shootings uh, that have occurred, it's really obvious that uh, it's just a basic military principle is that when a when you start a military offensive of any kind, whatever plan you had in place goes out the window when the first bullet comes back toward you. And you have to think about San Bernardino. When those two terrorists walked in the door with guns, all you needed is one or two people to stand up and shoot back, and their plan would have been out the window. And I guarantee you there would have been a, f- a lot l- fewer people hurt, injured, and dead if uh, than there were. So this, to me, is a really a, a very important, critical constitutional issue because without the Second Amendment, the rest of the Constitution is null and void.
2: Well, and and, and the truth is that that the criminal d- does not respect the gun free zone at all. I mean, that that's that's it's foolish to think that. Uh, yeah, you can't. Okay, it, it's against the law to carry a, a gun on school grounds. So d- does that criminal who intends harm to that school do they stop and check their gun at the front desk no that's silly they don't do that they, so so why should the rest of us so yeah I, I couldn't be in agreement more that um you know i do i do agree um i, I do agree that that courtrooms uh, should be gun-free zones um i've had some conversations with uh with some judges and, and our district our district attorney and folks like that because you're, you're talking about an area where folks motions are charged and, and that just the only people that need to have weapons in a courtroom is law enforcement, and and I, I do believe in that.
1: Well, but, you know, recent North Carolina law, the past several years ago, allows other people to be armed in a courtroom, like a, a district attorney, a citizen district, district attorney, the registrar of deeds, correct, uh, and all of those people. Uh, that kind of, to me, is uh, I'm really. How do you feel about
2: that? I well, you know, I. Because, because they're there as part of their job, uh, I, have, I have no issue uh, with, with them having a, a weapon if they feel comfortable doing that. Uh, you know, there, there's, I've had conversations with our sheriff about these kind of things, about you know, about teachers carrying guns, about principals carrying guns. And, and, and I know there's some real mixed emotions about that, and, the, and I guess you could say the jury's out. Do you really want – I think you have to decide, to, do you want to charge that person with responsibility – of of responsibly using that weapon. So the more people you have that have weapons in the courtroom, of course, the more volatile it could become. But uh, I I guess my point was, you know, I I do understand having the the no no carry zone in the courtroom for the public. Um, But as far as other uh, facilities, uh, you know, if, if you've gone through the process and you've been vetted properly and you have been checked out, you're not a criminal, you're not volatile. You have not shown uh, any kind of tendencies to violence and those kind of things. Uh, if you have your concealed carry, I think you ought to be
1: able to carry it. Well, you know, the interesting thing, uh, Kevin, is that the the actual law doesn't refer to courtrooms; it refers to court houses, mm-hmm. and that yeah. does create a problem for some of the smaller counties, like Cherokee County, uh-huh. because we only have one building. We do not have a separate courthouse right. or court courthouse we have the courthouse which can also contains all of the administrative offices as well as the commission meeting room and and as a result we need a variance from that because we would like to be able to carry concealed in the commission meeting room and in the offices of government like every other county office is but because we're in the same building we're not allowed to and I think that's uh, something that needs to be addressed by the, I agree. the Assembly.
2: Yeah, I, my thing is uh, I think the courtroom it is, is a different place, and everything else should be treated differently. And I agree with that. When it's under one roof like that, it does create that difficulty. Because I know I've been in your courthouse many times, and, and uh, you're, you're not allowed to carry anything, and you actually have a, a metal detector and, and some security there at the door uh, checking that. But uh, I, I think there's ways to do that.
1: Uh, Well, I'm I'm actually going to count on you to accomplish that, because in Cherokee County, we have allowed uh, concealed carry in every single county building. Except the courthouse. Well, the courthouse is prohibited by state law. Right, it is. But there are, therefore, county employees who are unprotected between their vehicles and their place of work because their office happens to be in what is designated a courthouse, even though they are really in county office building right so we'll talk about that i'm sure after you get elected let's go on to something that's really important to me and that is property taxes Mm -hmm. unfortunately and i say unfortunately uh we are required to get the bulk of our income in the counties from from property tax uh and so how do you feel about that what what kind of leeway would you would you be in favor of you know to me uh, if we could replace some of the requirements of, of property tax with user fees and with uh, uh, user fees and sales tax and things of that nature, I think you get a little broader base uh, paying into the county coffers without putting such a an, an huge burden on taxpayers. You know, we have citizens in Cherokee County who, if those, if the, property tax goes up, they're going to lose their homes, and I cannot see doing that. I can't see putting people out of their homes for tax reasons.
2: Agreed. Yeah, um, I can give you the example that, that, you know, the only one I can speak really intelligently to is is Macon County, because that's where I've been a commissioner for the past six years. Um, Yeah, I I agree that property tax should be as as low as, as possible. We have currently, as we speak today, we have the fourth lowest property tax rate in the state of North Carolina and one of the lowest in the nation. Our current property tax rate is 34.9 cents per $100 valuation. Um, So we have a very low property tax rate. Um, We get um, a little, about half of our income comes from things like user fees from sales tax and other income sources. So uh, roughly only about half of our income here comes from property tax, and we're actually going to become, uh, we're the fourth lowest tax rate now. We're going to be the third lowest as soon as Jackson County passes there because they're proposing a 37 cent uh, once they did their revaluation. So we're going to be the third lowest in the state. So I, you know, I think we've sort of led by example as far as keeping our property taxes low. And we're the, the uh, budget that our county manager has proposed and has on the table now uh, has no tax increase built in. Uh, we're showing some growth in our budget uh, again through through sales tax and through some other things that uh, are coming to the county. But uh, couldn't agree more. It, um, you know, a sales tax is a much more fair tax than an ad tax anyway, because uh, it, it's what if you have disposable income and you're spending it, uh, then, then that's where that sales tax comes from. So I think the answer to that is to give counties the freedom to uh, use sales tax and use taxes and things like that. Uh, and not have to use as much after-warm tax. And I think that's something we've done here. We've we've, we've done that, and, and I believe that strongly.
1: But you know, uh, Kevin, that a lot of that is controlled by the legislature in Raleigh. I mean, there it are, is I mean, they have really strict laws about what we can do in terms of sales and sales and use tax. We currently have a um, coming up in June. We have uh, we're trying to put a quarter cent uh, increase in sales tax for the schools. And as you know, it has to be done by referendum. But the the state of North Carolina really strictly controls that entire sales tax structure. Uh, And it would be really nice if the counties could have a little more leeway about what they do. Because, you know, a sales tax really allows us to get income from people who are passing through the county. Yep. And usually exactly right. they use county facilities, uh, they use the roads, they use everything in the county, uh, but they don't pay for it because they don't own property. Or people who rent, who rent dwellings, who rent a place to live, they also they don't have to pay property taxes. And so that really makes a heavy burden on property owners.
2: Mm-hmm. And it
1: would be nice if we could give them some relief.
2: You know, I, uh, I had an idea that I've sort of... Uh, Pitch to a few people, and and I'll I'll mention this to you. Uh, you, you can't do it now because it it, it violates state laws, my understanding. But I would almost be in favor of looking at a at a homestead exemption. If if for example, if you live in Cherokee County, you say you raise your hand and say, "Yep, I live in Cherokee County. I've got this property. I live here. I pay state taxes. I'm a resident of Cherokee County." Give you a, I'm just throwing a number out. Give you a fifty thousand dollar exemption. So if you own hundred thousand dollars in property, you're only taxed on fifty of it. And get the rest of that money through sales and use taxes because you're getting those people um, who you who who come through your county who either have summer places here, claim to live in Florida, claim to live in Atlanta, claim to live in Birmingham, they don't pay North Carolina tax. So we're we're missing the boat, I think, in these western North Carolina counties. For example, I think in Macon County our population is, is supposed to be somewhere around thirty eight thousand people it's not 38 thousand it's probably 50 or 60 thousand because there, we have a lot of people who live here most of the year who claim they live somewhere else
0: and that concludes another episode of dr
2: dan's freedom forum join the battle on our website www the rights to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government
0: is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything,
2: everything, everything going to be all right this morning. <laughs>